Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the sage himself, the Jewish sage, who we all need, the one and only Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? Oh, Chris, you are a jet setter. You are like here, there, everywhere. It's no wonder. It's kind of like you're a helicopter and you had to spin down and be in this chair. You've been everywhere and back with your family. With my family. And then off tomorrow to oh, Ohio. And now you're off to Ohio. The Buckeye, you're going to go to LeBron James country. Exactly. I'm looking forward to it. I'm doing a PUC. Uh, but hey, before we talk all about that stuff, welcome in and here we go. Welcome in, welcome in. It's been a busy week for the Katolkas. You know, Passover season, Steve, you know this, and you're looking at me like I'm a heavy traveler. You, my friend, are a million miler, I think, with United. So you've been everywhere. I, I was everywhere, and I'm old now, so I've, I'm not moving as fast as I used to be. But, but you were you good- traveled with the four horses of the apocalypse? 100%. That's going to cost me four bucks. That's right, exactly, right exactly. Tell everybody why that is. Well, because my kids are getting older now. They don't like that I call them the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and so... So somebody, I, I can't remember if my wife or somebody said, well, pay him every time you say it. So Steve is the one who says it. And then he gave, what was it, $20 last time? And I took him out and got ice cream. And, and I already owe eight bucks now. You're, yeah, you're, you're racking that up. And they love it. It's like a copyright now. You know? There you go. They're going to get there paid every time they get endorsed. So you've been everywhere. And now you're back. And we, we really, you were in between. Tonight, you're going to be on Equip, our sponsor. And you have to be on because oh, we're going to have Ty Perry on tonight. 100%. Ty Perry is going to be doing um, Holocaust Remembrance tonight. And he's going to be talking about some friends, Holocaust survivors, that he ha- has and had uh, over the course of his ministry. And so um, it's going to be a great night of a talking somber, about— A little bit somber. It's a somber night. You know, we we here at, friend, at the, the Jew and Gentile podcast, you know, we're always upbeat people. But we have to stop for a moment and remember. We have to remember what the Jewish people suffered, and that's what Holocaust Remembrance is all about. And that's very significant, and I trust that people will tune in. If they can't make it, of course, how do they get it? It's going to be recorded, so how do they get it, Chris? Well, they're going to go to foiequip.org to register for the class tonight. So if you go to foiequip.org, you'll find that you can actually register for Holocaust Remembrance. My class next month, which is a three-week class, which is all about Israel's independence and three key leaders that help them acquire independence, um, and then all of our summer classes leading up into the fall. And so you can go and register for Ty's class tonight and all of the classes. And Steve, again, I can't highlight this enough. It's free, 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 free. And Chris, we're having a spe- we recruited a special guy to do church history. Now that's, that might sound bad. But it's actually good because you think church history, that I'm not doing it. It's boring. But we the person we got to do it is turn church history into something very entertaining. A hundred percent. Yep. Tim Harrison, who works here at Friends of Israel uh, and has a background with the Institute of Jewish Studies. Uh, and I believe it was the Institute of Jewish Studies then. I don't know if it was if he did Institute of Biblical Studies. It, they're both the same. But he's been trained by Friends of Israel. Uh, he's a specialist in Egyptian history. Uh, hieroglyphics. The guy reads hieroglyphics. That's right. And that so, alone sounds boring to me. But somehow he bridged hieroglyphics with church history. So we don't know how that's going to work out. But ultimately, I think our, our listeners uh, for uh, FOI Equip will be blessed by attending so that class. T- stay tuned for that information. 100%. And so uh, be sure to go to FOI Equip to register for our classes. Uh, Steve, I was in Dallas 
uh, for about a week doing Passover seders, connecting with people who support our ministry, um, and and um, and love the Jew and Gentile podcast. So for all of our, you mean you you saw one of our seven listeners? We saw I saw two two of our seven li- Unbelievable. listeners. Unbelievable! That's right. Actually, Pastor Neil Tomba, he loves the uh, the Jew and Gentile podcast. We'll give him a shout out. It's on the docket, and he's gonna. He's probably laughing right now as he listens, but uh, I've been meaning to have him come on the podcast. Oh, we got to have him 100%. See, he <laughs> he said, please tell Steve he loves hearing you say 100%. 100%. <laughs> so anyway, and uh, other people from the church as well who stopped me and just said, we love the Jew and Gentile podcast. So for all of our Dallas friends listening, uh, hello, and thank you for listening to the Jew and Gentile Boy, podcast. Boy, we really thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we need you. Thank you. But Chris, we have gotten some concerned people. We've gotten... Emails. Uh, the last podcast we did was on the power lifter, and uh, look, we thank God. If if not everybody agrees with us, not everybody has the same sense of humor we do, and we don't want to be misunderstood, nor do we want to be disrespectful. But uh, at the same time, we bring a brand of Jewish slash Gentile, a hundred percent Christian, in trying to take stories that even have concern. And giving them a light spin. And so if somebody has a criticism, we will we'll respond to them and I even apologize if we need to. And well, I had well, to do well we're that. the kings of taking criticism as well. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we try, but not everybody's satisfied. Now, but we do love our listeners and love we love them. it when they write in, whether it's something we did good or something we did bad, and uh well uh, how whether they were uh, you know liked it or not. We just thank you for listening. And, you know, part of the sense of humor is actually something Judaism has baked in sense of humor. Chris, they had humor in while people were going through suffering of the Holocaust. Hmm. They had humor. Uh, Hey, otherwise you're dead Uh, because Jewish people were in such situations. Could you imagine 400 years of slavery? I bet you there was a lot of humor during that awful time. People probably saying, oh, look at this. They finally gave us something. What promised land is this? (laughs) Instead of 12 whips, I only got two. What a wonderful world we live in. (laughs) But uh, one of the things that we want to highlight in Did You Know is is, uh, actually a lot of Jewish comedy that makes its way right in front of your face uh, as you're watching TV. Steve, I I know that you're going to list a whole bunch off. But one that comes to my mind that you love uh, is Everyone Loves Raymond. I love that show. Everyone <laughs> Loves Raymond. Even though they're all Italian, uh, the, the person who was the executive writer is Rosenthal. That's right. <laughs> As, and all he did was take his growing up years with his parents and turn them into episodes and just made them Italian. That, that's the only... They're Jewish as Jewish could be, plus... The tall guy, Robert, yeah, six feet eight. I don't know how that happened, that God brought a six foot eight Jewish guy. Oh, he's Jewish. Oh, he's Jewish. And so was the uh, mother. Uh, oh, yeah. And she was about four <laughs> feet 11. Uh, but they were Italian in the show, but they were Jewish. And there was so much Jewish humor in that. You could see as anybody with Jewish eyes or Jewish kepi, uh, like a Gentile believer like you, you could see it really 
easy. Yeah, that's right. And so the, the uh, Emily Stone and Did You Know highlights some of the ways that people are actually impacted, whether they know it or not. When they just watch a TV show, they might think is funny. They don't realize how much Jewish comedy Jew is is entering into their mind and actually. Uh, being becoming a part of the culture that you end up living in. So why don't you 100%. share? 100%. This is titled from Emily Stone. Did you know Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, Holy, H-O-L-Y, Jewish TV shows. Holy, <laughs> holy Jewish TV shows. While it could be argued that technically everything is a Jewish TV show, a few shows feature holy Jewish characters, politics, and situations. For instance... Can you highlight that that last holy was a W-H-O-L-L-Y? Right, yeah. correct. First one, Goldberg's uh, debuted... Oh, Goldberg's radio. I didn't even know that. I was thinking of the Goldberg's TV show. Yeah. Uh, debuted in 1920... Uh, radio 1929, TV 1949, a dramatic sitcom featuring the home and life of a Jewish family in the Bronx. Rhoda... You're too young to I remember. I do remember, I remember that, that name, That was though. 1974 before you were born, Chris. A spinoff of the Mary Tyler uh, uh, Moore show starring Valerie Harper. And her name was Rhoda Morgenstern. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta laugh. Just, you see, you laugh just hearing the name. Yeah. It's, it's humorous. Uh, and so she was a Jewish professional window dresser with moxie to spare. And then there's uh, one of your favorite... Seinfeld. Hundred percent. Give us, Chris, your perspective. Used to watch that. I know. Sometimes I think you even watched it with my boys. Yep. You know that show to me is classic Jewish humor, and it did the same thing that um, that uh, the uh, show that you watched. Um, uh, what was it called again? The the one with Rosenthal. Oh, oh, why can't I remember? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> everyone loves Raymond. Um, it it kind of did the same thing where it took kind of Jewish humor and it, it kind of converted it to Italian humor. But but don't you remember George Costanza's parents? Oh my gosh! Every they time they took Schindler's List and made a whole show that was supposed it was that was a rough that one. was oh Ooh, they were edgy. they got all kinds of. Writer people upset, but even all. the hygienic, you know, when with Jerry germaphobes. And, uh, germaphobes, and but his also his love for Superman and the <laughs> kind of the Jewish background there, which Superman created by Jewish people with a messianic flair. 100%. All that stuff is Jewish, hundred percent. And so, uh, you know, I, I I always appreciate it. That was a funny one growing up for us. Another one, the nanny. I don't know how oh, yes. she was able to do that. Uh, fan, uh, her name was Fran Dresser. Fra fine, fine. The character, and it was Fran Drescher. She was able to talk with, Hello, how yeah. are you doing? <laughs> I, uh, oh, she drove me crazy. I couldn't even be in the same room if it was on. Uh, there's just so many good uh, Jewish TV shows that you don't re Again, you you know, I always tell people whenever we do Yiddish words and, and whatnot, and, and even if I teach at a church about it, you don't realize, some people don't even realize the words that they're saying are Yiddish words because it's so baked into the culture. And that all comes because of the way that maybe you grew up watching TV or or the shows that go back to the 1920s, as you were talking about. All of that stuff makes its way into your everyday life, and you don't even realize how, how Yiddishkeit uh, you know, even the most Gentile people can be because of the influence of, of they learn things. a lot of Jewish stuff without even knowing kind exactly. of osmosis. Exactly. And so, uh, so did you know, helped us again? Uh, did you know? Thank you. Did you know? Um, so Steve, last week we talked about Passover cause it was Passover. 
and uh, we're leaving Passover now. That that uh, season is over. We'll highlight that. Oh, yeah, thank you for the reminder. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to talk about is actually uh, Steve and I share a comment, a friend um, who is a professional artist, and she actually drew what's called a ketubah. Steve, could you talk about what's a ketubah? It's a contract. I'm going to get it while you talk about a, it. A contract, a contract uh, where the man is responsible for his wife. This guarantees her that he will provide for her, take care of her. Uh, it has it has a sense of biblical uh, truism, if you will, responsibility, because the man is responsible for his wife. That's counterintuitive and countercultural today. But a ketubah, even today's marriages, even in a reform situation, it has become a part of the wedding ceremony where they get a you know where they're videoing the the uh, the whole thing and. Part of it is to watch them sign the ketubah. Yep. And so the Morris family, Gary was with us for a while, and Kathy is a, she's an amazing artist, and she gifted you and me a ketubah. A ketubah. I signed this exact one. This one's for you and, and Alice. But That's Karen when we and were I, married 26 years when she uh, did that ketubah. It, and it's beautiful. And then um, we, we had ours signed at our wedding. You know, a lot of Christian weddings, they put sand together or they do a unity this or that. You know, I said I wanted to do a ketubah. And so for a long time, we had our ketubah hung up in our home and, you know, people could read it and see it. The thing's so big. It's, it's massive. <laughs> not not all ketubahs are this big. No. and But they're all, usually you'll go, many Jewish homes, you'll go into their home and they've got it framed. Yeah. We, we I didn't frame ours. We, we've had ours and it's, we, we like it. And, but I decided to bring it here, Chris, because... The podcast room. It needs this, a ketubah. It, this is the place of all things Jewish. One time we'll have to do a whole podcast and go over all the shtick that we have in this room. <laughs> we'll have to get a portable camera to take around. It, you know, for our listeners, um, I hope that you go to YouTube and maybe just fast forward to the section so that you could see the ketubah that I was holding up. But it's beautifully decorated, which is very typical with a ketubah. It's not just like a marriage certificate. It's actually ornate. It's oftentimes in Hebrew. It'll have Hebrew in it. I don't know if yours... Ours is in English. English. Um, and so, you know, it's a very... It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of a contract that's made between the husband, the wife, that's and right. God. And Karen can go to you and say, Chris, you promised. You <laughs> signed your name. Deliver. That's right. Or the ketubah disappears, and I wonder, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> when it's just off the wall, you know? <laughs> so anyway, that's the ketubah. That will be hung up here at some point. I just found out Laura Coleman is a professional framer. Laura Coleman is a professional framer. She knows how to mat, and she knows the proper one and how to cut it. And uh, she saw this ketubah yesterday when I brought it in. She said, this is amazing. And then she started to talk to me about her framing expertise. And I said, that's your job. Get the mat. Get the frame, and then we'll find a place to put it. Well, then that's why she was probably always looking at me like, "What are you?" Because I put I all the frames she left together. It. She's not here today. After I gave her that assignment, she said, Shit. "I gotta go." Yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> Bupkis. So anyway, no, but she's doing ministry up up at Word of Life right that's now. Right. That's so right. So we're thankful for that. All right, so Steve, we are continuing uh, Revelation 13. How do you feel like we're doing moving through Revelation, uh, Chris? <laughs> well, you are so. I, funny. I will tell you this: it is slow. But at least there's context. You were in Israel. We did a special podcast from you live in Israel, mm -hmm. and we brought that. And then 
uh, it was Passover. You can't go a podcast during Passover and not mention it. So we did that. So that's two of the weeks. Uh, so it's taken us a little longer. Uh, but today we're going to talk about, you know, people always talk about 666, 666, the Antichrist, 666. Well, today we're talking about 666. But isn't it good to know 777? Mm -hmm. Isn't it good to know 777? Yeah. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And one thing I know about that, it's higher than 666. A hundred percent. So 777, ultimately, I'm, I don't want to give things away. We're only halfway in the book. But just so everybody knows, 777 crushes. Six, six, six. A hundred percent. And that is what we see. Uh, and as we're entering into Revelation chapter 13, we mentioned this last last uh, last time we were talking about Revelation. So we're going to be highlighting the beast that comes out of the And sea. we're overlapping a little, Chris, because quite frankly, with all this great research we do, we aren't quite sure where we left off and where we began. So for those of you, seven of you who listen, you say, oh yeah, I remember our, okay, uh, tune out if you want. But we're going to start back in chapter 13 and verse one. We're going to go back and, but we'll move uh, a little more quickly to get to verse five. But I just want to, the thing that's important to see is a lot of times people, Steve, they say, well, if it's anti-Messiah, if it's the anti-Christ, because that's what that means. It's the opposite Messiah. It's the, it's the against Messiah. That's what anti means. And so, you know, if, if it's that, then it must be Jewish. It has to be Jewish because the Messiah is a Jewish figure, so the anti-Messiah must be a Jewish figure as well. But that isn't the way that the book of Revelation paints uh, who the Messiah or the Antichrist would be. In Revelation 13, verse 1, it says, The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. And oftentimes in the book of Revelation, the symbolism of the sea is the symbolism of the nations. Land, Jewish, sea, Gentile. That's, That's a great way to put Yeah. Usually when you see the land, it's God's land. So they're, 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 the context usually is that it's going to talk about Israel. The sea, that's everything else. That's Goyish. This, so, so the next time you see the Pacific, you say, oh, there's Goyim waves. That's right. There's, that's <laughs> The Atlantic, where we are, ah, oh, those Goyish, those, those waves, see those guys surfing? Ah, oh, they're surfing. Maybe that's Genta. the reason I never like going in the water. That's you right. You know, that's I just right. like to lay on the beach. That's okay. right. I, you, might, you like the land, the I like people. A hundred percent. There you go. All right, so we see them coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads. Again, this isn't anything new. We're talking about the fact that John, as Jesus is giving him this revelation, is, is pulling from the, the, the prophet Daniel. And Daniel already gave us insights as well as to the fact that there would be ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on its horde, and each had a blasphemous name. And the beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and the mouth like that of a lion. And again, pulling from Daniel, Steve, we see a lot of, uh, of the representation of those former empires that Daniel had talked about, the the fact that Greece was a, a, a leopard in Daniel 7-6, and that Persia was a bear in Daniel 7-5, and that Babylon was a lion in Daniel 7-4. So again, you know, pulling from the idea that there's representation of Gentile nations. That's what they are here. swift, and they're strong, and they are ravenous. Yeah. And, and that's the way this person is. And again, contextually, we want to be reminded— that this man coming out of the sea is really ultimately the result of Genesis chapter 3. The sin of man produces the man of sin. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, in the program of God, again, there's some things that are... 
Why does all this have to happen? This is awful kinds of stuff. We talked about the Holocaust. This is worse than the Holocaust. What he's going to do is worse. But God, in his program and plan, ultimately is going to bring it out, a la Joseph, who talked to his brothers. You meant it for evil. God's going to use it all for good. And, you know, Revelation and Daniel, we've been talking about that. The whole point of Daniel is that Daniel is talking about the Jewish people living in exile and the Jewish people living in the Gentile world and how ultimately the times of the Gentiles, where the Gentiles are ruling and ultimately ruling the land that God, the beautiful land, the 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 the, the promised land that the Gentiles are ruling, that uh, that would come to an end and God would raise up Israel and the Jewish people once again. And you know what? Oftentimes we don't think of Revelation like that because it's couched in the New Testament but Daniel and Revelation are thinking the same. Again, we're refocused on Israel. The Gentile nations are surrounding, and now you have the Antichrist who represents all of the goyim, all of the nations that are coming against Israel. And so, again, there's that picture of God's attention being drawn back and how God would elevate Israel and the Jewish people because of the Messiah and what he would do. Chris, this is a this is a definite interesting time in the history of the Jewish people, and as we see this unfold, uh, Israel's in trouble, the time of the Gentiles. In fact, we're gonna, once we're done with this, we're going to segue to our one story today that reminds us that we're still in the times of the Gentiles. Even with an independent state of Israel, we're going to see today, right now as we're speaking, there are three major Goyesha nations that are poised to attack Israel. That's right. And, you know, it, it's. I like that you said that because it is an independent Jewish state. But think about the influence that other nations have against Israel, where recently, the the because of the what was going on with the judicial reform in Israel, the Biden administration goes, oh, we're not even going to talk to Benjamin Netanyahu. He's he's nothing to and us. And that was major news in Israel. Uh-huh. I think, were you there? Yeah. During, yeah, you were there during that time. The Israelis take that serious. Yes, they're independent. But their best friend is America, and when America snubs, that that's like a, a personal friend who says, "Oh, it's you on the phone." Yep. It, that you say, "What? Why are you doing that? What? We live still living in the times of the Gentiles." Well, and you know, it also reminds me because we, when we when I was in Israel a couple weeks ago, we went to Caesarea Philippi, and Caesarea Philippi was a place where a major battle took place in 200 BC when the northern kingdom of the Seleucids and the southern kingdom of the Ptolemies, these two Greek kingdoms, came to war against one another in the land of Israel to ultimately take the land of Israel. They wanted that piece of land. And a major, major empire battle, a shifting empire battle takes place there. And there's the Jewish people going, uh, who do we side with? Do we side with this guy or this guy? Because if we side with this guy and he loses, well, then we're bupkis. But if we side with this guy and he loses, well, we lose again. So, you know, it's really a 50-50 bet. Think about today in the world where Israel is. You've got Beijing on one side of the world, and they're in the same continent as Beijing. They're in Israel is in the Asian continent, and now you have Israel who's friends with the West and Washington, D.C., and we know there's a power grab going on. And who's, right now. And who's stuck in the middle? Israel's stuck in the middle. And they have a choice they have to make. Do we go with these people or do we go with these people? It's an honest question I think a lot of countries are asking themselves right, right now. Right now. Yeah. Right. Europe, uh, France is one of them. A hundred percent. France is uh, dangling, uh, kind of uh, flirting with China and not even being ashamed of it. Nope, because, hey, if we're going to put all our chips in this basket or they don't know where to land right now, 
because it's not the same world we used to live in. And who's even, France is at least more toward the West. Israel and the Middle Eastern countries are right in the middle between the West and the East. And whose side are we going to, I'll tell you something. When I was driving in Israel, Steve, and I saw the new construction going on, you know who's building all the new railroad lines in Israel? China. All these Chinese, you know, uh, promo- I don't know how they read it, but it's in, it's all in Chinese just to let you know who's building this thing. It's a lot of influence of, of, of Beijing in the world right now. Well, Chris, uh, we, this was actually, we were going to go a short podcast. Uh, I told I, Every time you say short. <laughs> because we didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare, and so we thought we'd be a little... A little short. Well, I don't know how we're doing so far. We're doing all right, but I do want to go to verse yeah, we five. Yeah, we got to keep going a little bit. The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies to exercise its authority for 42 months. Steve, I want to talk about that for a moment because, again, that comes directly from Daniel and the fact that the in Daniel chapter 11, it says that the Antichrist would ultimately curse the gods of, of his father of his fathers and and basically establish himself as as God on as earth God. rejecting God and saying I am God. That's right. Isaiah chapter 14 says I will make myself like the most high. That's Satan's influence into the antichrist, but the idea that he would challenge the very nature and character of who God is. And I've always mentioned this to people Satan and the Antichrist are only mimicking what God has already created. They don't create their own system. They're only copying what God has done. And it's, so there's words of blasphemy that are brought against. Uh, what, and what does it say in verse 4, Chris? Yeah, before that, it says, People worshiped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshiped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast and who can wage war against it? So clearly this individual has been given authority. Just as Jesus has been given authority to rule by God, the, the, the beast is given authority to rule by the dragon, essentially. And so, again, that imagery that's there. But, you know, Chris, it seems outlandish. And verse 5 says, And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. I was thinking about this, Chris. Today in our culture, I, here, is, here is the Antichrist blaspheming. But you know what? That shouldn't, that, that, that's like a yawner today. Because in almost every aspect of American culture today, I'd say Western culture, Western yeah. culture, bl- blaspheming God has might have been private years ago. It's become in your face mm-hmm. in almost every kind of venue. Still, people read newspapers online. Uh, people with each other conversation you hear god's name in vain but even wor- if it can get worse even worse than that just horrible things that the antichrist is doing here but quite frankly are already being done yep. by regular people it's primed you know what it reminds me of is uh, i sat once in when i lived in dallas i went to a holocaust uh, it, it, um, a Holocaust lecture where these it's the Ackerman Holocaust studies program um, in North Dallas. And, um, and it was fascinating because they were talking about how, how were people so prepped for this? You know, it, it's not like Hitler said, do this. And they did it. It was because there was already that anti-Semitism in them and Hitler only brought it out. hundred percent. And, you know, they were talking about in Polish culture, 
you know, that there was already a real, you know, it wasn't Hitler that created anti-Semitism. It was that it was already there and it was already even in the Polish culture. And so he only fed into that, which, you know, only uh, helped the Holocaust move quicker and faster. And so it's the same idea. It's, it's, you know, it only took one guy to say it out loud, but it was already brewing in the hearts of the people. Do you know, Chris, in September 1st, 1939, Adolf Hitler, he attacked Poland. Uh, and it was unprecedented how fast. Now, they had the soldiers to do it, and it would have happened. But what really happened is there was almost a, re a reception for them as Polish people were pointing out where Jewish people are. Yeah. Uh, with For just a bottle of booze, they would point out all these families, and they made it simple yeah. for them. You're exactly right. Uh, and, you know, there are the wonderful stories that we thank God for, people willing to give up their lives to hide Jewish people. Unfortunately, there were many more who were willing to, for no reason at all other than to uh, their own selfishness and their own hatred, point out Jews to get them killed. And, you know, you think about it, it was in the heart already. And so, like you're saying, the blasphemy of God, it, it's already there. And, you know, this is something that it's not new. This is an issue that goes back into the yep. biblical period. But still, the Antichrist draws it out even more. Listen to what it says here in verse 7. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and conquer them, and it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants, uh, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Again, mimicking who, who the Messiah is supposed to be, who Jesus is. If you go back to Daniel 7, 13, and 14, the Ancient of Days bestows on the Son of Man, who is Jesus, uh, the authority to rule over every nation, tribe, tongue, uh, and, and people group. And so God already gave Jesus that authority, but here is the dragon trying to usurp that authority and sneak the, the, uh, the Antichrist in there. And look, it says, for just a moment of time, he will rule over every nation, tribe, tongue. What an awful period of time. And I, I think we're getting a little bit of a taste of... of just, it's going to be much worse, but we see things now that we can't even figure out. People willing to succumb to all these different things. Uh, it just doesn't seem like, uh, my mother, who's 99, my mother doesn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but she's old enough and has her faculties about her. She said, the world, I don't recognize the world I live in. It's it's crazy. She uses the word Michigan. It's Michigas. Michigan. And she's right. Think about it. 99, she's gone. She was born in 1924 after World War I, right before the Depression. And she has seen America at its lowest economically, at its highest. She, but she has never, her own testimony, I've never seen it like this. And Chris, this is good compared to what it's going to be like during this 70th week. Um, you know, I think it's a good time to stop here. Steve will remember that we have to pick up in verse 11 for we will, chapter 13. I will, I'm writing it down right now. Write verse it down. Verse 11, Revelation. Okay, sounds good. All right, so Steve, you found a news article that I think was important for us to highlight here. You sent it to me today in... Uh, I, I did, Chris. It says, Israel... I got this from the Jerusalem Post, April 12th, 2023. Israel is closer to war than calm. That alone sh sends shivers. Israel's gone through a number of wars, but think about it. At, in the Jerusalem Post, they're saying, right now, 
on this date, April 12th, Israel's closer to war than they are to calm. Yeah. Uh, and Chris, over the Passover, I have a little app. I think you have it too. It's called the Red Alert app. And every time a rocket is fired, uh, my alarm goes off. And it's a remind. I have it because it's a reminder. Uh, most of the time when that happens, I try to shoot up a prayer uh, on behalf of Israel. And this is, remember the last time we podcast, we talked about, wait a minute, it's Passover, it's Ramadan, and it was Easter. All at the same time. And all at the same time converging. And that was a time that terrorists, Hamas, Hezbollah, Hezbollah to the north, Hamas on the uh, western side. Oh, Chris, my alarm was going off like boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. In, in a matter of 24 hours, there were over 40 rockets that were shot into Israel. Many of those had to be intercepted by the Iron Dome, all of them reminding us that Israel is in peril. And this headline uh, tells us that it says the opening line, the banner under the headline is, security tensions will not disappear at the end of Ramadan, and an unusual response against terror organizations should be held off, Intel suggests. So, And I'm, I'm reading the—hold that page. Just like—no, no, 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 no. Right, right? Just additionally, Israel's enemies recognize the United States' withdrawal from the Middle East, which included removing advanced aircraft from the region and replacing them with less advanced aircraft— and so, again, you know, uh, the idea is that with America not having its presence in the Middle East, um, you know, just the presence. We're not talking about going in and creating war or anything like that. We're just talking about a, a presence. Just knowing they're there. They don't know that necessarily that they're there anymore. That's right. And now what's happening is we're seeing an alliance taking place between Russia, China, um, uh, Iran, these – this this – axis of evil, as they're calling it, um, that is right in that region. And it's becoming a serious problem because China will fill that that void of of leadership in a moment. And, and so and just as you stated, it all during the when the rockets were going and all that, that's when Joe Biden said, you know what? I'm not inviting Netanyahu to come here. That's a, it's an amazing thing where a friend is needed at a particular time and our president has chosen on purpose, not to do it, to try to send a message. That's right. And so there's more conflict, there's more tension, uh, not just with the trilateral enemy, but also w supposedly with your friends. So it's, a, it's well, issues. And that's external issues. Israel's also dealing with internal issues as well. Ay, gewalt. <laughs> Maybe that should have been the Yiddish word of the day. Uh, but it's true. They're dealing with the with a political strife. You know, it, maybe it's calmed down a little bit since Netanyahu's backed no, off. No, every, every day since you were in Israel, there has not been a day that protests, even with Netanyahu changing his tune, reinstating the defense guy, do all the things. Every day there's, uh, they're protesting. Uh, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't realize every that. Every day. I just let up. See, it's amazing when the mainstream media doesn't highlight. You just don't sometimes see it. But, you know, 40-some-odd rockets into a into a— uh, 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 a country, you would think we would be talking about this globally. Nope, nothing. You know what this. everybody says? Ah, uh, that's that's normal. That's normal. But just wait. Then Israel will go into Gaza, and boom, it becomes Can international. Can you imagine, Chris? Uh, we're here in uh, South Jersey, uh, and if there was a uh, submarine from China uh, that shot forty rockets into the shores of New Jersey, what would what would happen? It would be and forty yeah. is not 
is that's a low number for Israel in their history. They've during s- several skirmishes, they've had thousands. hundreds, yeah. thousands of them. It just shows you uh, Israel. But then they go. That's what I'm saying. But then when Israel goes in to finally, uh, you know, isolate the targets and take care of them, it becomes international. And news. then it becomes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> then it's a big machaya. Oh, we got to pay attention. Look what Israel's doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. The machaya. All right, everybody. Speaking of machaya, Yiddish word of the day. The Yiddish word of the day. And you know, Chris, we got a uh, uh, a note from someone who is saying we were taking some Yiddish words. And pronouncing them Hebrew. That's uh, <laughs> I, uh, just just so everyone knows. Whenever you whenever you send in something, which we love, we pay attention. Oh, we pay attention. You know what I always do? I'll I'll highlight it and send it to Steve. And some guy said, "Hey, if you're gonna do a Yiddish word, you gotta say it right." Yeah. You know. So if you're listening right now, hey, we I don't care if it's good or bad or whatever. We're we trying. love it. Send uh, us stuff. The 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 Hebrew slash Yiddish word of the day is. Chametz. Chametz. But Chris, you gotta show. Not, you have, not chametz. Not, not hummus. <laughs> not hummus. Do you remember I, you yeah. criticized me because I called it hummus? That's one. right, I did. But uh, Chris, I sent you from my wife. You can maybe put that on the camera. Yeah, let's see if I can put this here. Okay. Oh, it's hilarious because for first day of Passover and seven days of unleavened bread, there we have our movie, The Exodus. Uh, What's the actor's name? Uh, uh, Charlton Heston. He's playing Moses. But this time at the end of Passover, he's coming down the mountain with Twinkies. With Twinkies. (laughs) A Twinkie split in half. To celebrate no more matzah. No more. No. No. No more being stooped up, which is what happens when you eat too much. Stooped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, there was a, a, a... a cartoon. No more grips. Matzo Man, if you remember that video. Oh, Matzo Man. Matzo Man. Oh, good, yep. Chris. Anyway, it's and part of the lyrics is it's binding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's binding. Well, I got to tell you that uh, when we see Charlton Heston Moses with Twinkies, it's the end of Hametz for the year. It's done. It's, it's no more unleavened bread, and now we're back to normal. Now we're back to Twinkies. Yep, there you go. Well, you know, I, I've actually learned a little something about the Hametz and the the maybe the ration the rational rational thought behind it, like where it came from. And apparently, if you're making a starter for bread, okay, it takes something like seven to twelve days for it to make. So God says, no leaven on Passover night. Okay, well, we shut the leaven down. Well, guess what? Now you got to wait several days for that starter to kick back up again so that you can start the process of making leaven again. So maybe there's a reason like that behind it. You know, why seven days added on to Passover of unleavened bread? Well, maybe it took seven days for them to get that starter back to make their bread. Bada bing, bada boom. God knows how to cook, too. That's exactly... All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Jew and Gentile podcast. Hey, just a fresh reminder, you can join us for Holocaust Remembrance by going to foiequip.org. Tonight, Ty Perry will be teaching us about Holocaust Remembrance. And then I've got a class coming up in May, three weeks on Israel's history, its independence, and three leaders that were really influential influential in helping to develop and, and push forward the modern state of Israel and its independence. So you can go to foiequip.org to register. Don't forget, you can also join us live. You can be a part of what we're doing here at Friends of Israel through our Encounter program. So everybody, thank you so much for joining us, foiequip.org. Hey, we'll see you next week. <laughs>